0: Let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there. My name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times bestselling authors and much, much more. These people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey. To learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central.
1: Eight,
0: seven, six five four three two one ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the project egg show today we have the honor of speaking with jeff fenster founder of everbowl and super fuel coffee now jeff i am massively excited to be speaking with you today because you're a total rock star and yeah, thank you so much for, uh, for for carving out the time to do this.
1: Thank you so much for having me, man. I'm really excited to be on your podcast. Huge fan of you and, and your show and a lot of the guests you've already had and really excited to be here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So let's jump right in. What is your story?
1: Great question. I uh, know you asked all your guests that and it was uh, it was interesting because I was trying to make sure I give you the concise answer. But my my story is one that has been more of a bit of a yo-yo. Had a lot of interest as a kid, uh, went to college, went to law school to be a sports agent, but then never actually did that career, even though I graduated um, and kind of got thrown into my career path, which is serial entrepreneurship based on an ego. Um, Yeah, I I had one job out of law school working at ADP, the payroll company, and had a lot of success there and was supposed to get a big bonus. And my boss said I had to wait until the end of the fiscal year, which was about six months. It was in July, and this was January of that calendar year. And my ego said, no way. As the uh, top sales rep, how, would they, how could they not give me my bonus? So I threatened to quit. Uh, as a 24-year-old kid, I threatened to quit if they didn't give me my bonus, and they called me out. So because he called me out, I had to quit. And so the very next day, I started a payroll company out of my mom's kitchen. And from there my path towards serial entrepreneurship started. And since then I've started 14 different companies, some successful, some failures, and here we are today.
0: That is awesome. And I love how you described it as a yo-yo because first of all, I love playing with yo-yos. I haven't thought of that in a long time, but I love playing with yo-yos. And um, that's cool, man. So let's talk about in the beginning of your journey why did you want to be involved in sports like what was that about
1: so growing up I always played sports uh it was my biggest passion I love sports I love the competition I love just the sheer competitiveness of it um there's a winner there's a loser there's rules and it's me versus you or my team versus your team the camaraderie the preparation just the whole thing um it's kind of a good analogy to business which is you know now that we're adult I'm an adult and I'm in business it's kind of a similar thing but it's just more finite it's a much shorter duration and there's winners and losers and I you know the competitiveness in me loves that aspect Uh, unfortunately I'm 5'9 165 pounds and I'm not a professional athlete so I couldn't be a professional athlete and so I wanted to stay connected and I thought being a sports agent was my way to do that Um, and so that was kind of where I thought I wanted to go until I realized I can't do the same thing over and over again for 40 years or 30 years. Um, And that was a scary moment when you realize, okay, how am I going to be successful in this world if I can't see myself doing the same thing? I have too many interests like a yo-yo. I go up and down and I change all the time. And so um, that's kind of where I went from sports as a kid to sports agent to want to be sports agent to where I am now.
0: And how did, how did law school come into play? Where did, where did that fit in?
1: So my mentor, one of my biggest mentors is a guy named David Meltzer. Um, he was a very top executive, at least sports agency. I'd been, uh, he's been my mentor since I was a kid and I'd worked with him or as an intern in a lot of his companies. And he was a sports agent. And he basically told me the best path towards your choice is either a law degree or something in the sports management side. And a law degree really kind of was a, a platform that you can do a lot of things from whether you end up being a politician, a lot of CEOs have law degrees. You could be a lawyer, um, which, you know, I gave some thought to, but I, again, I didn't see myself doing it. And so a law degree or an MBA were kind of, it was going to be one or the other. Um, I always knew, and it was always stressed to me early that get your education, have that as a fallback for whatever you want to do. And it really sets you apart to give your future and uh, your future self, the opportunities you're looking for. And, um, I tried business, uh, business degree while I was an undergrad and I couldn't get through accounting. So I had to get out of business as a, as my major and switched majors. And so law was kind of the next path it was like, okay, you know what? I could I can go get a law degree and that will be what I'll use. And since a lot of sports agents have a law degree, it made a lot of sense. And so, um, I jumped into it early.
0: Has that stuff helped you in, in your, in your journey?
1: Absolutely. Uh, not in the ways I thought it would, um, I thought, okay, yeah, I'll have a law degree. So I'll be my own, you know, I'll do my own contracts. I'll have all this legal education and knowledge and I'll be unstoppable. Um, Not not, not entirely true. Really what, what law school taught me was an, an analytical approach to problem solving and understanding that there's not always a right or wrong answer, which is what you learn in law school. It's really how you attack the problem and kind of craft your argument or your perspective. And both sides could be wrong or both sides could be right. It doesn't matter, but it's your approach and it's, Looking at it more abstractly and saying, how can you use past precedent to apply to future problems? How do you take what's out there and confine your your situation or, or the problem in front of you? How do you tailor it based on on a lot of unknowns? And so I think um, law school was great from that aspect. And then also from the competitive competitiveness side of it, being that the law schools I went to, and I went to two, I started at St. Thomas Law School in Miami and then transferred to Thomas Jefferson um, after my first year. <clears throat> um it's, it's all done on a curve. So if it's a multiple choice exam and there's a hundred of us in the class and 99 of us get 95 or better, 94 is going to be an F, right? So it's curve based, So which meant it's very competitive. And that was very interesting for me because that has carried over into my professional career in business, which is it's all competitive, right? Even though we can work together, other companies and me are competing on a daily basis and good enough doesn't end until the results are there. So you can't stop and say, okay, I've tried my best. Now. Um, I think I know the information solid. I have to always be worried about who's coming up from left field, right field, you know, everyone else. So it was really good to, to get me prepared for the career I chose, which was serial entrepreneurship.
0: It's interesting how you're talking about like approaching the problem a certain way and almost learning to think in, in, in just a different way from your educational background, because I mean, uh, you clearly know a lot of entrepreneurs talk about like, Oh, education's not important. This, and you don't need to go to school that. And first of all, I don't know the right answer. I, I don't think, I don't really think there is a right or wrong answer. I think everybody has to make their own decision and figure out what works best for them. Um, but it, I think it's really interesting how you do have the perspective of going through college, going through law school, and then going on to start, would you say, 14 different companies? That's awesome. <laughs> That's, I love that.
1: You hit on something important there, which is if I had one thing I was going to be, right? Some people might be, I'm a musician, I, I'm a painter, I'm going to start my own painting company. I, I'm a, a, a Jeff, all I care about is food. I want to start a rest, my restaurant. And that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Education is not necessary when you don't have a clue what you really want to do for the rest of your life. And I need to, to build my, my toolbox, if you will, for the unknown. Um, the education component gives me a floor. It raises my floor, which says I can always fall back on this. I can be exposed to this and law school specifically taught me how to think more than it taught me how to be a lawyer or anything else. And that's really what I got out of law school was a different way to think. And that has basically sharpened my tool, you know, being a serial entrepreneur instead of an entrepreneur. And I think that they're different, very different, um, means that I'm more like a Swiss army knife. And so I need to be able to figure out how to solve different problems that I don't know what are coming from all different fields as I change fields all the time versus having one field that, Hey, you know what? You don't need to necessarily have an education. If you, know exactly what you want to get into and that's what you want to do the rest of your life. You then focus on that one field and you don't need a formal education.
0: I love that. I love that. And I also think just in the time that we live, I, I, I think we're very lucky. I think we're very, very lucky because we have the ability to say, okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm like six 190. I'm not playing in the NBA. Would I love to play in the NBA? Yes. Would it be awesome to be, you know, at that caliber of of sport and competition? Yes. Am I ever going to do that? Probably not. Probably not. Because I have physical limitations. But the world of business, the world of entrepreneurship, like you can compete and you can. Operate at the highest level possible. And I feel like the only thing that determines the level you go to is yourself. I, of course there's luck. And I, I don't think that circumstances necessarily will determine how far you go like, like, uh, pre, uh, existing circumstances. But I do think that luck has a lot to do with it. I, I do. I do. And, and, uh, I'm interested to learn about your take on, on that. Like, do you think anybody can be an entrepreneur? Do you think anybody can go to the top? Like, do you think there are things that hold us back? Like, what do you think about these kinds of things?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to start with luck. Cause I, you know, as you said that it, it piqued my, my, my brain. Cause I have a perspective on luck. Um, you know, there's a, I'm a big quotes guy. So I'll, I'll apologize up front if I throw quotes here and there, but you no, know, there's a saying luck is when preparation meets opportunity. mhm-. That's right. But I don't think we analyze that quote enough. I think people think, well, I'm going to be prepared and opportunity is going to come. And and that's true. But really, it's being prepared to recognize opportunity. And I think the luck is not in the the luck is, is luck is not really. Well, yeah, I'm prepared all the time and opportunity comes. Most people, I think, don't recognize the opportunity when it's right in front of them. Because they're not adequately prepared to see that opportunity, not because they haven't tried in a certain element. So the luck element, like, uh, you know, if I take my most recent startup, Everbull, the timing of that is fortunate. I wanted to start the same company eight years ago, but the timing wasn't right. But I was prepared to recognize that the timing wasn't right. So had I started then and failed because the world wasn't ready for the health and wellness movement that we are on now, um, One could argue, and I would sit here and say, well, I wasn't successful because I wasn't lucky enough to start at the right time. I'd argue I was prepared then to recognize that that wasn't the right time. And so the opportunity presented itself when it did. And then I was ready to strike because I was always waiting. So I think the luck side is very important to recognize that we should all be prepared for what we want to do and then be ready to seize the opportunity when it comes. Kind of like, you know, again, an analogy would be, you know, a hunter, a shark, you know, they travel the ocean and when there's an animal there to eat, they eat. If there's no animal, they keep moving. Um, it's not lucky or unlucky that the SEAL happened to be there. They're always ready. They're always prepared. And so they're seizing on opportunities. And for my, my personal career path of, uh, of serial entrepreneur versus standard entrepreneur, I have to always be prepared. That's one of the tools that I have to and one of the craft skills that I have to hone every day. Um, I don't think anything holds anyone back. Um, I do think everybody can be an entrepreneur I just think it's important that we define that word better. Um, it's kind of an overused word right now, and it's kind of like saying I'm a doctor. Well, what kind of doctor? Are you a podiatrist? Are you an anesthesiologist? You know, if I go to a family practice doctor and ask them to perform heart surgery on me, they're not going to be able to do it, but they're a doctor. So I think understanding what kind of entrepreneur you uh, you, know, you are, uh, whether it's I'm a CFO and I'm not going to ever be a founder founding entrepreneur, but I can go enter a startup company and work with an entrepreneur and be an entrepreneur CFO solving entrepreneurial problems on a daily basis. That's an entrepreneur. They just might not realize that they get to live as an entrepreneur. They are an entrepreneur. They should recognize that they have that skill and then apply their craft into that right ecosystem. They don't have to go work for a big company that's been around forever or started by someone 50 years ago that they can actually venture off and surround themselves with people who fill their gaps and recognize their weakness and solve it. And you know, one of my business principles is being the dumbest guy in the room, um, which means I try to be educated, I try to be smart, I try to be prepared, and I'm going to push the floor as far as I can. But I want to surround myself with excellent rock stars at every other element of the company. You do that, you have a dream team. And we're a team of entrepreneurs, even though I may be the founder, they're entrepreneurs in their own right. And they're solving and creating new things for the company that we didn't have yesterday, which by default makes them an entrepreneur.
0: I love that. I love the whole, the concept of really clearly defining entrepreneurship and and what it means to be an entrepreneur and, and what that actually means for you. Um, and I also love what you're talking about, about, you know, surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you. Um, I was just reading, and I love this book. So this is like probably the third or fourth time I've read it, but how to win friends and influence people. And in it, uh, I read that on Andrew Carnegie's uh, tombstone, the epitaph, I believe it's that's what it's called, um, said something to the effect of, here lies a man who surrounded himself with people cleverer and he's cleverer than himself. And I think that is like definitely the same vein of what you're talking about. And if somebody like Carnegie who sold his business, for like 300 million dollars way back in the early 1900s by the way I looked up what the conversion rate would be that would be like 372 billion dollars in today's currency like that's nuts that's awesome that's amazing and if he's saying that and that's the key to his success that's what he put on his tombstone like there might be some merit to that
1: (laughs) And it's one of the mistakes I made and I see a lot of entrepreneurs, especially young, young not in age, young in, in development of when they become an entrepreneur. It's a mistake too many people make and it's their ego. Um, and they have this wrong perspective that if they are not the individual man or woman who came up with the idea or gets all the credit and does every element, then they're a fraud or they're fake or they're not gonna get the recognition that they wanna get. It's wrong. Uh, the, the right approach is to understand that We all have strengths, and like a moving vehicle, you can be the engine, but without four tires, it doesn't matter. Without a steering wheel, you can't move the car, and you're not going to inspire people by making it all about you. You've got to understand and give the people the freedom to be experts. So, like, We have 435 employees at Everbolt right now, and I can tell you honestly, 434 of them are amazing rock stars, and I'm just the guy here to help push it forward. You know, I, I might be the guy who started the company, but they, I got to give them the freedom to be experts. And they're here for a reason. They are experts. They're amazing. They are why we are successful. And they get to inject their DNA into the company, which gives them the freedom to feel like an entrepreneur and say, oh my gosh, my ideas are being introduced. This is here because of me. They get to see their handiwork, their craft. And there's nothing more inspiring to anybody than to be recognized for their greatness, have the freedom to do it. And as a founder or as the, ceo your job man or woman is to surround yourself with people and empower them to be their best just like on a sports team as a head coach or a general manager you if it's all about you the team's not going to win and you can go look at the best teams in sports you know the golden state warriors the new england patriots they're the greatest team so it's not the best individuals that win it's the best team of people that wins and so teamwork is is where it stems and um dropping the ego and surrounding yourself with amazing people who are cleverer than you is really a great way to do that. And and I, I strive every day to do it, you know, obviously holding myself accountable to bring my best and raise the floor because to surround myself with smart people, if I don't educate myself, it's really easy. Uh, but if I make myself really intelligent, it's harder to find those people. But when you do, you have a dream team.
0: I love that. And just as a quick caveat, I'm going to go on record and say that I believe, as a New Orleans native, that the Saints are the best team in football. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there.
1: <laughs> and Drew Brees is great, so I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to say to you that I think they have a chance
0: to be. There. Absolutely, but but I but I totally agree um, with with what you're saying, and I love the fact that you brought up at the end. It's easy to find people who are. Better than you, smarter than you. If you don't educate yourself and if you don't develop yourself, but to go out and develop yourself and to make yourself a freaking ninja, and then to find people who are even at higher levels of ninjadom which I'm creating that word if it's not already, By the way. Then, <laughs> then you are. <laughs> I, I think that's brilliant. Um, one question I do have there, and this is something that I'm really curious about. Um, when you are at that level of constantly bettering yourself and constantly learning and educating yourself uh, and, and, you know, for yourself, I mean, you're like, you have insane credentials also like insanely good credentials. Also, how do you inspire people who are better, smarter, higher levels of ninjadom than you? How do you, attract them and get them to come be on your team because if they're at that level they could easily start their own team so how do you get them on your team
1: sure great question so i think first of all like attracts like. stars want to play with stars um people want to be around people who inspire and drive and push so understanding that while i can't always be the dumbest guy in every element i mean otherwise no one wants me Um, I have to bring something to the table. And so what I bring is that founding serial entrepreneur idea, visionary concept. I put the idea in place. I go out and do the legwork. I build a platform that says, okay, you're the greatest coder in the world. You may not know business, but you're amazing at coding and we're building a software platform. So I'm going to give you the framework and I'm going to inspire you to say, you know what? If I partner with Jeff, I know that he's going to outwork everyone. He's going to bring relationship capital into the, He's an expert at what he does. So I'm filling my gap with him and he's filling his gap with me and recognizing your weaknesses, And it starts by looking in the mirror and losing the ego, um, understanding where you're weak and then finding people who can solve that weakness while you can solve a weakness for them. And that's how you make a symbiotic wheel. You know, if you take a triangle piece out of a wheel, it's going to not spin. So a perfect wheel has to, to work together and it's about harmony. So it starts and it, it all starts and stems from self-reflection and really having the, Ability to look at yourself from a critical perspective and not just think you're great because you may be great, but understand that we all have limitations and weaknesses and we're vulnerable in certain elements and embrace them. Turn your weakness into a, into a superpower. And that's what I try to do with a team and surrounding myself with great people who have their own limitations and how can I solve their weaknesses and, and fill their gaps. And so it just comes together.
0: I'm so glad you brought this up because I'm fascinated by the idea of self-awareness and really, really intensely like looking at who you are and identifying like, who the heck am I? Like, because in, I, I think about this all the time. I really think that we're all on a journey of self-discovery, whether we know it or not, um, in in order to like more completely get in touch with who we are um but that's difficult right that's really difficult because and this is a belief that i hold um that we have who we are at our core there's always that piece of us i don't think that ever goes away uh, but then there's there are all these external influences that we, either we've learned or we've picked up or somehow they they become a part of us and we internalize them so we have these two different things going on and then and then there's this middle ground where they kind of mesh and then we're dynamic creatures so we're constantly moving forward So it's like even more is being added on top of that, right? So we have a lot of layers. How do you actually like tactically drill down into who you are to identify what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, who you are at your core?
1: Well, I think it's like eating an elephant, right? It's one bite at a time. I mean, you start like any new project. If you haven't been a runner before and you go run, you can't go run a marathon. So how do you get there? And I've always liked to start at the end and work backwards. Um, I don't necessarily. A lot of people are frozen because they don't know how to start, so they don't know the first steps. They do nothing. We'll start at the end. Where do you want to be? And where do I want to be? I want to be the best. I always wanted to be the best at whatever I do. Um, And how do I get there? Well, it starts with, okay, I got to improve myself. So, what are my weaknesses, and what has caused me to fail in my life so many times in different elements, whether it's relationships, business, personal development, learning a new language, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Um, what has caused me to do that? And so losing the ego is the first step with an ego blocking you. And you think you're the greatest at everything you do and you have no weaknesses. It's very hard to self reflect. And I was there. Um, you know, I I went through that myself in my earlier age and then through mentorship and having a good support group of people who will call you out on your, on your, on your BS and in different pieces is helpful. But then having the – and recognizing that we are all all on our own self-development journey. We are – whether you're at the end, the beginning, or the middle, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're constantly all evolving and changing as people. Society is changing. And so when you let go of this feeling that it has to be – you have to be there today, and you embrace the journey, and you say, this is my life. This is going to be my journey. I'm going to get better. I'm going to make mistakes. I still make tons of mistakes. Um, I'm a hypocrite sometimes when I say things, and then I catch myself. Doing the same thing, I catch myself with my ego coming up to the surface, and I'm like, whoa, I'm just further along now to where I can recognize it and push it down tactically. At the beginning, it was hard. It required people calling me out. It required life lessons. It required falling on my face. Um, But when you fall on your face enough times, hopefully you learn to stop doing that. Like a little baby who's learned, you know, I have children. When they learn to walk, they fall, and then eventually they don't. And that, we can learn everything we need to know about life from kids because – society hasn't ingrained in them all of the bad things that have changed adults, you know, they're going through their own development. They're going from literally being eating everything done for them to where they can now feed themselves, change themselves, bathe themselves, walk, crawl, grab food, do all these things. So if you can analyze it and you say, how can I apply that same lesson to myself now as an adult, it'll work. And it's tactically saying today I'm going to get 1% better. So we have five core values at Everpool. One of them is Kaizen, which is, um, uh, very meaningful thing. And you mentioned ninja dumb and it comes from Japan and it's the idea of getting 1% better every day. And if you just focus on 1% better, not a hundred percent, you don't have to be running a marathon tomorrow. So if you're going from the couch to wanting to run a marathon, jog to the mailbox, do that today. Tomorrow, jog to your next door neighbor's mailbox. If you do that every day, it won't be long until you're running a marathon. And so doing it systematically and slowly and not holding yourself to an unfair standard, not judging yourself or being feeling down because you're not there yet. Recognizing that it does take, it's a constant daily grind of self-reflection and that's how you'll improve. What are those other core values? So the first two are the most important to me, uh, make friends and have fun. Those are the two foundational principles of our business and all my businesses. And I believe that that is the crux of what makes us, uh, us Everable, but us, all of the companies that, that I started and am part of, that's what makes us unique is that we're all about making friends and having fun, embracing people and having a good, we're alive, we're, we're above ground, we're having a, you know, whatever you're doing, it's it's positive, it's life. So have some fun. Um, the, the third one is be remarkable at everything you do. There's no reason to show up and, and not be remarkable. If you don't want to be remarkable, do something else. Find what inspires you and go get it. Um, the next one is act with integrity because... Life's too short to to be fake. What? Why? There's no there's no point. Find those around you and, and act with integrity. And the last one is kaizen. Get one percent better every day, and before you know it, the company or whatever your goal, your goals are, we're going to get there. And so those are our five at Everbowl. Um, but to what we were talking about, kaizen is very important because that's how you can see radical change in whatever you want, um, and it'll keep you moving forward. You know, if you start looking at one percent better it exponentially happens. And before you know it, you look back and you go, holy moly, look how far I, we team, family relationship have come. And I, I strive it as a parent. I strive it as a husband. I strive, I strive to get 1% better in business, um, personal development at the gym, you name it. It's very small and it's easy, right? You can find 1%. 1% is doable for everybody. And it's something that should be embraced by, I think by everybody.
0: I a hundred percent agree with you. And, I was actually thinking about that, um, and I, I didn't phrase it exactly like you. I thought, "Oh, incremental, like incremental improvements, just to get a little bit better every single day." And I, I kind of had a like like an idea there um, that I would love to get your opinion on. I'd love to share this with you. It occurred to me that what stops most people when they're when they're trying to better themselves is probably, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of factors, but the one I'm thinking about probably is they may start at one, and you know, 1%. And the person that they're aspiring to be, and I think we all aspire to be somebody, whether we think about it consciously or not, but the person that we're like comparing ourselves to or aspiring to be, they're at like 90%, right? So even if we start at 1%, and then in three weeks, we're at 4%, right? That's an incremental improvement. That's good. This is progress. But we're still looking at the 90%. So regardless of whether we're at the 1% or the 4%, we're comparing ourselves to the, to the, to the 90%, whatever that top level is. And what I think the, the important distinction here is, is that it's really hard for us to measure where we are. And it's really hard for us to take that, that snapshot of like, okay, where am I actually and then in three weeks from now, okay, now where am I? What's the difference between those things? So I totally agree with you that it's like, okay, got to get one percent better every day. How do you actually measure that? Like, how do you how do you know if you're making that one percent improvement?
1: I think it depends. It's a great question, right? It's it's a philosophical one, more so than a tactical one, which is how do we look at our journey without getting lost in the forest for the trees? Right. And it's it's recognizing that what can I do? And having a plan, um, you know, don't like the saying, a bad plan is better than no plan, right? If you're just floating aimlessly, you're not going anywhere, strive for something, Um, aim small, miss small, right? It's those, all those fun little sayings that, that are all around that, which is if you don't, aren't operating on a plan. So if you're striving to be whoever we're striving to be um, you know, let's use a basketball analogy. But if you look at LeBron James as the best player in the world and and you're a kid and you're like, I want to be LeBron James. Well, Set a goal for yourself, a, a meaningful, obtainable goal. And remember, while LeBron James might be light years further in his journey than a 10-year-old kid shooting hoops in, at, at, you know, in his backyard, and that kid says, I want to be the next LeBron James. Well, yeah, if tomorrow he, he tries to compare himself. It's going to be very discouraging. But if he says, OK, tomorrow I'm going to make 10 free throws in a row. I'm going to not stop until I make 10 free throws in a row. The next day, make 11 in a row. What you'll also realize is just embrace the fact that by the time you get to where LeBron is, he's going to be on the downside of his journey, and you're no longer going to strive to be him. The kid's going to strive to be you, or someone is striving to be you. And so, holding yourself accountable with you know micro goals, you got to have a goal, um, you got to have a plan. So that is how you can keep yourself to that goal, uh, that recogn- recognition or uh, recognizing that you are getting that one percent better. And I think that that will help drive you. And of course, we all go through those dark days. Some days, you don't feel like you got 1% better. Some weeks, you don't feel like you got better. You feel like you got worse because you got punched in the face for whatever reason. But that is a mistake too because failure is 1% better. Learning that that's the wrong way to go, it's never a straight line. Nothing is a straight line. There's no elevator to success. Um, It's the stairs, you know. And if you think about a stair, it's step up, flat, step up, flat, step up, flat. So when you have these these growth to get up there just know that le- learning hey I shouldn't go that way that's 1% better because now you know not to go that way it doesn't all have to be 1% positive it's just 1% better and so finding micro goals is an easy way that I've done it um, and I catch myself in the in that negative uh-oh you know down on yourself feeling the pressure like oh my gosh I'm not where I want to be well Good. That's hunger. I mean, if you are where, you know, if you're complacent and you feel like you are where you're going, you're not getting better. Uh, there's no constant. There's always, and especially in business, which is a great metaphor for what we're talking about, there's always an up and comer, right? Whether it's me starting a company or I'm now have a company and then it's you starting a company in the same industry and you're coming for me or I'm striving to beat the next person, it's always a competition. And life is competition because that's just the way it works. Um, and so it's setting micro goals, it's understanding that your journey is not going to be a straight line and neither is theirs. Injuries happen in sports. Um, uh, un- unfortunate breaks happen in business. People screw you. Companies screw you. Companies go out of business banks, the recession, the economy, you know, things out of, you know, I bought a house in 2000 uh, 2005. I think the very next day, the housing cr- market crashed and my house was worthless. And, um, you know, it was a very bad day and I felt terrible. It was my very first house I bought, you know, and, that could break a lot of people, and then they would never buy another house. But it's just understanding that that's just part of the journey, and embracing failure is an easy way to turn a ne- what would be a negative and derail you into a positive that will inspire you.
0: I love that. I love that, and and I also love the idea of micro goals because that way, if you give it, if you do give it some aspect of measurality, again, I think we're uh, making up. Lots of words today, <laughs> um, but but then that is a really good way to track it, and then you can see, okay, maybe LeBron James can make 472 free throws in a row, but I have gone from being able to make 10 in a row to now being able to make 20 in a row. That's a huge increase percentage-wise. I love that. I love that.
1: And it's going to keep you going, right? It's going to it's going to turn that day when you feel like giving up oh, I'm not making any progress. Oh, hold on. Let's take a look. Where were you two days ago? How many did you make? You know, and if you just make sure that you make 1% improvement every day, you'll get there. And improvement doesn't always mean, um, like the free throw example is a bad one for me to articulate this, but it doesn't always mean you made another free throw the next day. It very well might mean that you found out the shoes you were wearing don't work because there's now a hole in them. um, So you get better gear. And now you're better equipped or that you pulled a muscle and you realize, Oh my God, I didn't stretch. So I'm going to stretch before I do that. So I don't get this injury next time. And you start to learn how to be your best self on a daily basis and you will continue to improve. And I guarantee anyone who's listening to this and is dealing with this and is unsure that what we're saying is accurate. um, If you look at anyone who you deem in your life, whatever field you're in to be successful, they have dealt with the same trials and tribulations But it's a relentless commitment in pursuit of your dreams on a daily basis, getting 1% better. That will get you there, whatever there is for you.
0: You started 14 companies. Let's talk about them. I want to know, I want to know like what happened to those companies, what's actually going on with them. And particularly, I want to know about how you maintained the the competitive spirit, the, like the, the motivation, the spirit to continue going on from venture to venture?
1: Sure. Um, so recognizing, like I mentioned, that I couldn't see myself doing one thing over and over and over and over again for an extended period of time. And I wish I did. Um, there was times I wish I did. And I was like, gosh, I have... Uh, essentially entrepreneurial ADD, which I've now named it. Uh, but at the time, you don't know what it's called, right? You just have this like, why can everyone else find one thing that they're so passionate about? But I'm passionate about so many things. How can I turn that into something successful for myself? Um, so I started a company and it was a payroll and HR company after I mentioned that I, I quit my, my six-month career. Um, and it was, it was going great, you know, and then we sold it. And it was a three years in um, and we sold it and I realized, oh, cool, now what? And so, what's my next passion, right? And so, I had another passion, and it was a digital marketing. Oh, my passion, my goal—it wasn't my passion. That's a lie. My goal was to work from a computer. Um, I wanted to be able to be home with my youngest daughter, who was just about to be born, and I wanted to be there for some of the events that I missed with my oldest child. And so, I said, "How can I work from a computer?" So that was my goal. My passion was to have the freedom of schedule to be around my kid. And so, the digital marketing agency was the one to do it. Um, And again, I realize now that I do things for three to five years. I start companies three to five years later. I either look to sell them or put someone in place who can then run them so I can go pursue something else. Being that I love serial entrepreneurship, I love startups. That's my passion. I finally came to the conclusion that the what is less irrelevant to the why. And so my why is I love startups. That's what I get to do every day for the rest of my life that I couldn't figure out when I was younger. So then I had to build a career around it. The competitiveness that you asked about and what keeps me competitive. I don't have a good answer for you. I think that's just innate in me. I've always been a competitive person since I was a kid. I have uh, my mom and my dad are very type A personalities. They drilled that into me early on, which is hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So work hard, you know, and you can meet a lot of people who are better than you in sports, in, in school, in education, in business. It doesn't matter. Just show up and bring your best every day, and great things can happen. So, Knowing those skills, I just applied them to business. Um, you know, and understand that failure is is 1% better, too. It, it's not just positive 1%. It's 1% better learning that fail fast. So I start companies. Um, not all of them have been successful. Some of them have been colossal failures. Um, and I've learned from them. I, I promise you, I, I, you learn more from a failure than you do from a win um, because you don't analyze your wins like you do your failures. So if you go make the 100 free throws in a row, in your head, you're like, okay, I can shoot free throws. And then you're moving on to something else. If you miss 100 free throws in a row, you're going to work on your technique. You're going to really hone your craft. So, so embracing failure, losing the ego, you know, um, coming with the principles that say, I'm going to give my best every day, no matter what. I'm going to outwork every single person. No one is going to beat me due to hard work and effort. You're going to beat me because you're more skilled than me. Fine. I can live with that. I can't play in the NBA either. You're going to beat me because you have more skill than me. You're bigger than me. You're faster than me. Great. I'll lose to you. Uh, I'll find my way to to be competitive, but I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to force you to beat me. I'm not going to beat myself. And so that approach to life is what I try to bring. And I think everyone else should, which is don't beat yourself. Lose to someone who's better than you. Fine. That happens, right? I'm better than you in certain things. You're better than me in certain things. Who cares? Right. That's just part of life. But don't too many, too many times we limit ourselves. And as a competitor, I can recognize that in, you know, for playing a sport, I can recognize that pretty easily. And I think so can the top competitors as well, which is when someone's not giving their best, it's very easy to beat them, even if they're way more skilled. than Um, And so that's an easy way for someone who looks at, you know, people who are where they want to be and go, I don't have that skill. That's okay. Show up in whatever you're doing. Be the best at what you're doing. Try your best. And if you do that, um, you will find disruptive change in a positive way in your life.
0: So you started the payment company or the the payroll company yeah. and after 3 years you sold it and then what other types of companies did you actually start uh you you talked about the marketing agency so you could be home what other companies did you did you start along the way
1: i had a recruiting company uh where we which i kind of so loving startups obviously as a payroll and hr company we worked with a lot of different companies. We were a service provider to businesses and what a lot of them needed was employees. So we started a recruiting company where we basically sourced talent and was able to provide it. Um, And then having done that, we raised capital. And so a lot of my friends and people that I was associated with were interested in raising capital. So I started a company called J Capital where I could connect startups to, to money. And then I fell in love and kind of, again, I was evolving in my career and better learning who I was um, I realized, hey, you know what? I love startups. So I had this idea for a company called We Create. This is before WeWorks and they stole my name. Um, but We Create was the idea that we create companies. And so, how could I empower people who are paralyzed to from in their life right now to want to start their company because they don't have all the pieces, they don't have all the tools, and recognizing that I'm not a specialty tool, I'm more like a Swiss Army knife. I'm good at lots of things. I might not be the best at any one thing, but it means that everyone can use a Swiss Army knife. So, how could but I embrace and uh, embed myself with other people who want to have these great ideas and help them achieve their goals or we achieve goals together. So we can companies together. Um, and then my real passion in life is health and wellness. I, I that's my, my, besides my family um, and industry, you know, in that I love health and wellness. I'm afraid of disease. I think it's easier to prevent illness than cure illness. And I look at the excuses we're making and why in society we're killing ourselves with lifestyle habits. Um, so, as you see on the top back of my hat here, it says unevolved. Um, it's also on the front of every employee's T-shirt. It's a word I created and defined, which is to move and eat the way we were meant to, to unevolve. Uh, we're overevolved in society. Technology has become so integrated into every aspect of life, and it's so powerful in business. It's powerful in uh, so many elements, but it's bad for health. We don't move our bodies anymore, and we don't eat stuff that's been around forever. We eat laboratory-created food. So unevolve is to move and eat the way we were meant to. And how can I push that lifestyle forward? How can I make that more readily available to everybody? So, being a team sports guy, it's on the front of every employee's t shirt in our store. Everbowl's on the back because we're a player on Team Unevolved. We align ourselves with even competitors who are about Unevolved and are about being your best self, moving your body, living actively, and eating stuff that's been around forever. Everbowl. And that's how the name Everbowl came to be. So, inside of Everbowl, I looked at, okay, I'm going to get into the restaurant space. I don't know anything about restaurants, I'm not a chef. I never wanted to own restaurants. I wanted to get in the entertainment business. So with the preface of making friends and having fun, how can we humanize and disrupt the restaurant industry? So when I start a company, I like to come in with fresh eyes and disruption, meaning I don't want any experience or need any experience to start a company in that field because I'm not bound by uh, whatever that industry has been doing. I can come in with fresh eyes, take my own business acumen, my own life perspective, my own approach, and see what happens and then disrupt it. And if it fails, I'm going to fail fast and do something else. And if it's successful, it'll hopefully be meaningfully successful. And so with Everpool, that's what we did. Um, Came in with the idea of how can I solve the reasons why people aren't eating healthy? And narrowed it down to four main excuses. And I used my legal background and analytical thinking to justify these four excuses. And basically, there's four main reasons why people don't make healthy eating choices. And if you go out today for lunch and you eat something unhealthy for you, it's because of one of these four. And they are... A, it costs too much to eat healthy, B, it doesn't taste good, C, it doesn't fill you up, or D, you can't get it. It's not accessible. You have an hour for lunch, you go going to a shopping center, there's fast food, that's what you're eating. Well, if I can solve those four reasons, those four excuses, you're going to eat healthy every time. And that's what EverBowl is meant to do. It's meant to per- make superfoods and healthy eating affordable, delicious, filling, and accessible. And so we created a vertical integration. So always trying to get 1% better myself. And in the startup game, I looked at how can I vertically integrate multiple startups into one company rather than always be starting new companies that have nothing to do with each other. How can I vertically integrate four uh, companies into each other to push Everbowl and Unevolve forward? So I started a construction arm called WeBuilt. Actually, actually it's called WeBuilt Stuff um, LLC. And basically we build everbulls because one of the reasons why restaurants are very risky and are very hard to start is they cost too much money. So how can I reduce the cost of entry for us and how can I open enough stores and make them accessible so I can open them everywhere. And I don't have, you know, I don't have, um, Carnegie's $347 billion. Um, so I need to be able to open them for more, much more cost effectively. So created our own fabrication and installation and manufacturing arm called we built. So we, we build Everables, um, which allows me to reduce my barrier to entry into building them and we can build them for a lot less and much faster. Um, additionally, importing superfoods is expensive how can i make the cost cheaper for the consumer well in order to do that i need to go direct to the source i have to cut out some of the middlemen i have to reduce the barrier of entry for the on the cost side and then pass the savings to the consumer so we started real happy foods which is our import company where we import our superfoods from around the world we work directly i went down to brazil worked directly with the factories and we bring in our own acai we work with our factories in nicaragua and vietnam to bring in our pitaya and now with that savings of, of an economies of scale, I can pass the savings back to the consumer and drive our cost down below our competitor. And now I get to also do another startup, which is fun for me. And it drives what my passion is back to what our bigger mission is, Everbowl, right? Um, and then the next part was uh, creating the ability for you to have access to superfoods that you may not have been eating before. It's hard to change lifestyle habits. So we've launched a CPG, our consumer packaged goods division of Everbowl, where we make new delivery systems of, of superfoods. And so we just launched Superfuel Coffee, which is the world's first acai and superfood infused coffee line. And our unique selling proposition is simple. You drink coffee, a lot of people drink coffee every day. They don't always have access or eat superfoods. Why not drink superfoods with your coffee? So now the beauty there is we get to build another company, which I love to do, um, make it promote Everbull. So it's got Everbull on the name. It's Everbull Craft Superfood Superfuel Coffee. I get to utilize it from a digital marketing side using my background there and geo-target locations and build the brand. Conversely, also further the mission of making people more healthy, getting them to eat superfoods or drink superfoods and in turn be their best self and help them on evolve. So it's kind of all forming together. And again, I'm I'm further in my career and I've been getting 1% better and I'll be better tomorrow than I am today. But it's combining all of these startups now into one mission as opposed to the fragmented startup approach I used to do. And so that's kind of where I'm going which is hey this is this is awesome because now when I get the thirst for a new company I get to do it inside of the framework of my existing company and further build that. And so that's kind of that's kind of what's going on with all the startups.
0: Dude. You're like a superhero for entrepreneurs like that's awesome. <laughs> I love that superhero. <laughs> yeah, dude. Thank you. Like you could be I'm trying to think of what your superhero name would be. Be like Everman or Unevolved Man. You know, something awesome. Oh, That's I, cool.
1: If I, if I, one day I need, oh, <laughs> I
0: need a cape. Absolutely. I don't care what the Incredibles say. <laughs> superheroes definitely have capes.
1: But more importantly, honestly, it's not me, right? I might be the visionary guy who has the ideas and, and that's where my strength is. That's my superpower. Uh, but I surround myself with superheroes. That They're the ones that drive this forward. So we build, you know, We have people on our team that that develop the construction arm. I don't even know what side of a hammer to hold. I'm really incompetent when it comes to to that, but it doesn't matter. And that's the lesson, which is if you surround going back to being the dumbest guy or girl in the room, if you approach it with no ego, you can embrace it. You're going to attract the talent to drive these things forward. You know, we have the best branding in the world. Eric Brosell, he's our chief branding officer, former uh, founder of Basic Agency, and he is the Brilliance behind everything you see from the branding and the and the look and design i i'm the worst right i, I couldn't even brand anything I, I didn't even understand branding when we partnered together but what i do is i give him the freedom to be his amazing rock star self into the company and as a result the company grows eric hansen who is our chief operating officer you know he's the one he's the mastermind behind we Built. uh you know i challenged him and said hey how can ikea do what they do for residential furniture. How can we do that for commercial furniture so we can build these things cheaper, faster, and, and in a more effective way than, than what we would have done independently? So I gave him the freedom to do that. You know, Brian Augustine, our chief development officer, he's the reason we have 430 employees at Everball, And, you know, he developed EverU, which is our Everball University, where we teach these young adults who are our employees how to make friends, have fun, be remarkable, act with integrity, and get 1% better every day inside the organization and we have now grown a team of superheroes, right? We have 430 superheroes. Our chief financial officer, Matt Delson, you know, he brings in a whole new disruptive approach to accounting and finance that allows us to maximize how we spend money, how what our returns are, where we make these investments. He keeps me in line and says, OK, Jeff, I know we're going to go start this, but he allows me the freedom to know that, hey, we have a strong financial backing and on and on. And I can keep naming people all day long, but it's really Like you said, the Incredibles, that's what we are. It's not me as a, I'm the guy talking to you and I'm the face because I'm the founder and the CEO. But really the only reason I even have the opportunity today is because of the team people we have. And that is the lesson, which is surround yourself with experts because very few people in life can really be self-made. That's just a lie. It's the people who have trained them, taught them where they've learned, uh, having a support group and recognizing the value of relationship capital and how that can propel you forward. And that is... That's kind of the jumpstart to get to where you want to be is, is earning the right to have the people around you help you because you've paid it forward and because you've surrounded yourself with rock stars and empowered them to be rock stars.
0: That's incredible. That really is. You know, I feel like one of the most important pieces of bringing people together and really executing on leadership, like like being a really strong leader, are the individual relationships with each person, um, and, and I think one of the foundations of that relationship is connection, right? And I love that word connection. Um, so I'm interested in learning what your philosophy is on developing deep, meaningful, and genuine connection with another human being.
1: I. Think I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am today in life without it. It is the if I was to teach an entrepreneurship course, business course, life course, or even my children, it's recognizing the superpower that is relationship capital. That's what I call that, um, and I didn't come up with that name, um, but that's just the name, relationship capital, and recognizing that money may buy you a Ferrari, relationships buy you the freedom to have anything you want in life and learn anything you want in life. Um, you know, knowing somebody who, and knowing somebody, I say that it sounds so superficial on a deep, truly connected level is how you get there. And so the way that I was taught to do it from my mentors and what I understood early on was you pay it forward first, you give, you give, you give, then you earn the right to ask for help. Too often it's like, well, Hey, I know you. Hey, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? no one really that's not genuine that's not a, a deep level but if you pay it forward if you learn how to help somebody first without any prior preconceived notion intention desire want, just on the sheer will of i want to connect with you i want to be friends i want to us to build a relationship how can i help and lead with that for it first pay it forward um then if and when in the future i want something or need something i've earned the right to come to you and say hey I'd like you to help me. Would you please? And they're more than willing, right? Because I've done so much for them out of a sheer true place. Um, Life is about relationships and making friends and having fun is my business principle. So making friends means we'll be friends, right? There's there's so many ways that you can leverage relationships in a positive way. Symbiotically, that's good for each other. Companionship. It doesn't just have to be financial and business, right? Companionship, an ear perspective. We can watch a basketball game together. We go watch a Saints game. And I might not be a Saints fan, um, but we can still enjoy that time together. And because I don't have another friend who's who's a football fan, then, hey, we get that great experience together that is amazing. And from that relationship, who knows what can happen? So you look at all of the executives I named, they all were my friends before they ended up working with me at um, They None of them started with Everble where I met them for the first time. It was, no, we became friends and – our CFO, Matt Delson, I've been friends with my entire life. Eric Hansen, I've been friends with since I was five. Learning their strengths, their skills, them learning me and understanding like, you know what? Yeah, we may have just started working together recently. Well, the 34 years that we've known each other has allowed us to learn about each other and those deep connections. between. Hey, you know what? There's value in knowing that together we may symbiotically work together or we may not. We may just be friends, but we help each other in so many ways and, and be in here for each other. So- the deep connections and relationship capital is where most people aren't investing enough effort. Uh, It's more about them earning money today or furthering their career today. And um, I think it's more important to learn than to earn most days of the the year. And if you do that, the earning just kind of comes, it it eventually happens and you you kind of have the access to what you want later.
0: What's your greatest theory?
1: My greatest theory. That's a good question. Um, Greatest theory, can you help me define that question a little bit more? It's, it's a little broad in my head. Whatever
0: comes to mind first.
1: My greatest theory is to my greatest theory is I don't is the power of making friends and having fun. I'm going to stick with, with my, my true core. Um, life is better that way. My theory is that not enough people embrace making friends and having fun, they focus more on what can you do for me and what can I get out of this. Um, I think that's wrong. I think that's standing in the way of so much progress. And I'm, I'm going to use the word success, and I don't mean financial. I mean personal development success. Um, I teach my kids every day, make friends and have fun. If you're lighthearted and you're having fun, fun is inspiring. Smiling is inspiring. And, and this, is a, this is what I teach my children and my staff, inevitable. If you walk down the street, and anyone can do this and prove me wrong right now, walk down the street at a perfect stranger and frown at them. You will get a frown back. Smile at them and you will get a smile back. The smile and your face can invoke a a behavior and a a feeling in someone else just by whether you smile or frown. So smile, make friends and have fun. People are going to gravitate towards you. You are going to see that you are going to elevate yourself in whatever field you are. Um, And you couple that with treat your boss like your friends and your friends like your boss. And you couple that together and the world is yours.
0: I was reading somewhere about early childhood development and it was really fascinating. I don't remember where I was reading this, but the, the text was saying that children who are more fun to play with at an early age, if you look at like where they, where they are 30 years later, versus a, a child that's not fun to play with 30 years later, the child that is fun to play with is dramatically more likely to be successful. And in, in, in here's why. When they're fun to play with, other kids want to play with them. And so therefore they become uh, more popular. They have more friends, more relationships. So they have more social capital, but also the teachers enjoy playing with them. So the distributors of knowledge are going to spend more time with them. So everybody wants to spend more time with them. Therefore they learn more things because they have more people wanting to spend more time with them. And then when they have more of the kids wanting to spend time with them, they learn confidence. They learn to be confident. They learn to value their time because they can't play with all the kids. They have to to really value their time. And so many other, and it's just a very, uh, like a positive cycle or, or a virtuous cycle where it just feeds on itself, I mean, but it all stems from
1: 100% better every day, right?
0: Exactly.
1: That um, was exponential, and it's, it, I think that's so good. I mean, I, I, I'm all—I hadn't heard that before, but I'm a hundred percent believer. Um, not, not because I think some people may say, "Well, you know what? I'm not that social." That's okay, right? I don't want it. I don't want the message to be lost on someone who's more of an introvert and feels uncomfortable. Um, <clears throat> but it doesn't mean that you can't strive to impact any relationship you have, even if it's not on the masses and it's just going to be a one-on-one, be in the moment with that one-on-one. Honestly, live with the give, pay it forward first mentality. Make friends uh, Make friends with as many people as you can or one or two people if that's all you really want. But if you do that, as you just said, it's going to attract people to want to be around you. No one wants to be around someone who's in a bad mood all the time, right? We all know that person or those people and it's just, they're a detractor. And over the long run, they're not going to get more of the educator's time. They're not going to get more of the attention of the people and the friends and the adults and whoever else it is. So, I mean, I absolutely love that. I, I'm I'm intrigued by, by that whole concept, very much so.
0: So I want to thank you, Jeff, very, very much for uh, coming on the interview today and, um, you know, being willing to uh, talk about all these things and to, and to go to those places. I feel like it's tremendously valuable um, information that, that you were gracious enough to share. So I wanted to say thank you very much.
1: Well, thank you. And thank you for this opportunity. As, as I said at the beginning, I'm a big fan of yours and what you're doing. And um, you know, I, I look up to people like yourself who are investing their energy and effort into putting a platform out there to help others and, and give the voice to so much different perspective that a lot of individuals who are driving in their car and listening or watching online and are trying to find ways to better themselves and are taking that first step that says, how can I get better in whatever it is um, prior to podcasting? And prior to this, it was very hard to maybe have access to these people and information. And um, I'm a, I have a thirst for knowledge myself and I am a big follower of yours and have watched all of your shows and we'll continue to do so. So it's an honor and privilege to be here today. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you. I have two more questions for you. Then we'll wrap it on up. First is, is there anything about yourself that you feel is an important part of who you are that we did not talk about today? In other words, what did I miss?
1: Um, I think, just focusing on being relentless. Uh, I think we briefly talked about it about hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. But ultimately, understanding that if you work your tail off, don't don't lose because of effort. You know that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest lesson I ever want to share with anyone that has made me any type of success I've ever had is just that hard hard work and hard effort. Um, and then number two, just I truly do want to pay it forward myself. I'm not. I don't have a podcast, and I don't have any intentions currently to have one. But um, I do try to give back as much as I can and make myself available and am accessible if anyone does ever have questions or I can be of service, I want to be. Um, I truly have a philanthropic side and I don't feel like I do enough on that side that, uh, yet. So please you know, reach out to me online, on social media at Finster Jeff or LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, please follow the journey of Everable because we are promoting something positive. Even if you go to our competitor, I support you. Um, I want you to go to the competitor. I want you to unevolve. I want you to focus on being your best self, eat healthy, move actively, be your best self, prevent illness, um, and help change the world together because I think everyone has a place in this world, and uh, we we owe it it to each other to to continue to build each other up and raise the floor.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Is there, or or not is there, but, but what question should I be asking you like specifically me asking specifically you, what questions should I be asking you that I wouldn't think to ask?
1: Ooh. First of all, you ask very, very good questions that make me have to pause and think for a second. Um, uh, I would say, what is the biggest negative to entrepreneurship? You know, I think, it sounds all peachy. And it's like, you know, you see professional athletes, everyone wants to be a professional athlete, but they don't necessarily understand the negatives. Um, you know, and, and it's not a negative necessarily, but one of the biggest challenges of being an entrepreneur of any kind, um, it's lonely. And I don't get asked that question enough. And I, I don't get to express that to people who all think, who, who look at, you know, they look at it and it's like, yeah, of course I'm smiling. and I'm having fun. And I'm But there's challenges every day in my life too. And, and the biggest one is it's lonely because you're by yourself. Um, You don't have a lot of peers that you can talk around the water cooler about the challenges you're facing in the organization. Uh, A lot of people depend on the decisions you're making and there's a lot of pressure and stress that come with that and having the, and recognizing that it might be lonely, but to, again, the way I would solve that one, if you do venture off on your own and you go down that path, um, make sure that you do have mentors both swinging up and down people that you can talk about the challenges that you're dealing with, the, issues that are, are you're facing and, and decisions that you have to make and have someone that you can bounce this off of so it's not just a lonely individual road. Um, so I think that that's a question for entrepreneurs about the loneliness of it and what they've done to overcome it is important for the audience who are considering jump, making that jump to, to fully understand and get prepared and be ready to, to tackle.
0: Well, again, thank you, Jeff, so, so much for, uh, for, for sharing this time with me. It's truly been an honor and and a pleasure. I I really can't thank you enough. So thank you.
1: Thank you. And thank you so much.
0: And to everybody who's watching, listening, I want to thank y'all very, very much. Um, Your time is very valuable as well. And I'm very grateful that you would choose to share it with us today. So thank you. Thank you.
1: Y'all rock. I love you. You know I do. And I will uh, see you on the next episode.